I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 24. We'll begin at verse 44. Luke chapter 24. We'll begin at verse 44. Where Luke writes, Then he, meaning Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And now I invite you to turn over to Acts chapter 1. Luke, who wrote both the Gospel of Luke and now the book of Acts, continues the story. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we're so grateful for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. When I read and study the scriptures, one of the things that I love to try to do is place myself at the scene, to be part of the story, to be part of what's going on, to try to understand what are they thinking? What would I be thinking? What are they feeling? What would I have been feeling had I been there? I think it's helpful when we study the Bible to put ourselves there, not just read it as history of something that happened but to get involved in the narrative, to get involved in what is happening, to experience this since it is our story. The disciples, they had experienced more than they could comprehend. I, I just can imagine that their minds were racing, the, the confusion, the excitement, all of this bundled up together. They had left everything to follow Jesus about three years earlier. They clearly saw that there was something in him. And surely he is the one that we're hoping for, that 
the law of Moses and the prophets had been pointing to and calling for. This is the Messiah. This is God's Messiah. Peter even says, I know who you are. You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. They had witnessed incredible miracles, listened to amazing teaching from Jesus, as one with authority, we're told, and their lives had been changed. But then Jesus turned things on them. He told them that he was going to suffer and die. And they were confused. This is not what we were expecting. We were looking for a Messiah who would come and set up his kingdom. We were looking for a Messiah who would restore Israel and take over the throne of David and restore Jerusalem. And Jesus is saying he's going to suffer and die. As a matter of fact, we know the disciples were confused by this because Peter pulls Jesus aside and goes, hey, you can't talk like that. Don't say those kind of things. And he actually rebukes Jesus. And Jesus then turned and rebukes Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking about human things and not divine things. They watched as Jesus was arrested. And they thought, you don't stand a chance arresting Jesus. They had seen him raise the dead. They had seen him do incredible miracles. They had seen him calm the storm. Surely a group of soldiers and chief priests and scribes and elders can't take Jesus away. So they pull the sword ready to join up with Jesus. Now's the time he's going to set up his kingdom. And Jesus says, put it away and allows himself to be arrested. That's confusing to them. They witnessed the trial. They watched the ridicule and the abuse, knowing that Jesus had the power. They had seen his power at any time. He could have stopped it. He didn't. They saw the crucifixion. They heard the cries of agony. They witnessed him dying on the cross. They watched as... They took Jesus' body down from the cross and placed him in a tomb and sealed it up. Their lives had turned. But then three days later, on the third day, Easter Sunday, they received the news, he's alive. And then Jesus appears to the disciples. Try to imagine what that must have been like. But here in these scriptures, Luke tells us that Jesus then appeared to them for the next 40 days. Now think about that because oftentimes we go almost from the resurrection straight to the ascension. Jesus ascends into heaven because there's only a few verses that tell us that that Jesus was there for 40 days. That's, That's almost a month and a half. Think that through. 40 days with the risen Christ. They had watched him die. And now he is alive. And for 40 days, he's with them, teaching them, sharing life with them, eating with them. He wasn't a ghost. It was the resurrected Lord. What would that have been like? I I try to place myself there 
I would imagine that Jesus would catch me periodically looking at his hands as we would be talking or as Jesus would be eating with the disciples. If I had been there, I would imagine that, that he would have noticed that I just couldn't take my eyes off of his hands. They had scars in them. I wonder if the disciples had the guts to ask Jesus, what was it like? What was it like when they were beating you and mocking you and knowing that you could have stopped it, but you didn't? What was it like to hang on a cross? What's it like to die? I wonder what kind of conversations they had. And I imagine, too, it probably took the disciples some time to make eye contact. It might would take me some time when, if Jesus were to appear today to make some eye contact because the disciples knew Jesus had told them in the upper room, they're going to strike the shepherd, all of you are going to scatter. They all denied it, we'll die with you first. But then we're pretty well told after the arrest, Everybody scatters except for Peter who follows them and then ends up denying Jesus three times. There must have been a little bit of embarrassment. How do we, how do we look at you? But Luke tells us 40 days, almost a month and a half, they spend time with Jesus and we're told that, that he showed himself to them with many convincing proofs. I thought about that. What were the proofs? I mean, was it proof of the resurrection? I, I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus says to them, hey, let's eat some fish together. They actually show up. Jesus is on the shore, got breakfast going because ghosts do not eat. So if you, if you need to know that it's really me, I'm really alive. It's not a figment of your imagination. I'm not a ghost. They ate together. Wow, they ate together. That's a convincing proof. Or was it that Jesus did more miracles? I mean, we're not told. It's just a few verses, but 40 days. What happened in the 40 days? wonder if Jesus healed someone else or something else happened. Whatever he did could not compare to the miracle of the cross and the resurrection. But we're told that he taught them. He taught them about the kingdom of God. He reminded them that everything that happened to him was what he had described coming from the law of Moses, the Torah, from the prophets, the Nevi'im, from the Tanakh, the, the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament, and from the Ketuvim, which is the writing, Psalms. Psalms, one of the first times that Psalms is actually mentioned here as part of the Scripture. Normally it's the Law and the Prophets, but here we have the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. All of this points to Jesus, and Jesus revealed this to them. He reminded them. He explained it to them. He opened the Scriptures to them. Jesus spent 40 days teaching. Why? I think it was important to Jesus that the disciples didn't only know what happened. He was crucified, dead, and buried. But why it happened. What was this all about? 
What was it that they had experienced? This is one salvation story that God is sharing with us, the Torah. Oftentimes we get hung up on the Torah and think that that, that simply means the law. And it does mean law, but the Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. There's a lot more there than just the Ten Commandments or eventually the 613 Commandments. And the prophets, the prophets of God, those who speak on behalf of God, they pointed to Jesus as well. We know that this all ties together. You might remember the transfiguration when Jesus goes up onto the mountain to pray. He's getting ready to head to Jerusalem, getting ready to head to the cross. He goes up on the mountain. He becomes dazzling white. And Moses, the law, and Elijah, the prophets, appear and talk with Jesus. We see what's happening there. It's God's story. The law, the prophets, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the only begotten Son of God. And the Psalms. The Psalms. The Psalms are often neglected by the church today, but the Psalms were the hymnal of the Jews. The, it was what Jesus grew up with. They prayed the Psalms in the morning. They prayed them in the evenings and they sang them together in corporate worship, the Psalms. Jesus said, they all point to me. And Jesus spent his time teaching. Last week, you studied together the scripture just before the Luke 24 text that we read of the walk to Emmaus. And, and in Luke 24, verse 27, Luke says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in the scriptures. These were the disciples that were walking on the road and Jesus comes up and joins them. And what does he do? He explains the scriptures. And then in verse 32 of Luke 24, those disciples, when they realize it's the risen Christ talking to them, said, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us. Jesus spent his time teaching. What would Jesus teach us? What is the importance that Jesus wanted the disciples and the church to hear? We know, for example, that Luke was not an eyewitness. Luke was one, as you read his scriptures, that he says that he researched it, he talked, he was inspired by God, talked to eyewitnesses. And Luke knows what Jesus talked about and shares it repeatedly because it was important enough to those who were there to tell him. Talk to us about the law, the prophets, the Psalms. He opened the scriptures to us. You see, in the Torah, those first five books of the Bible, again, there's more than just the commandments. That's the creation story. That's when you get to hear who created and why. It's in Moses' writings that you hear about how sin and brokenness entered the world and how God's good creation somehow got perverted in the fall. We hear about the flood, but not only the flood, it's in the Torah that we hear about the ark, that God never gave up on us, that God created us to be in relationship with Him. And regardless of how bad things may have become, 
God doesn't give up. To prove it, God makes a covenant with Abraham. And he says to him in the covenant, the language of the covenant is, I will be your God, you'll be my people. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. God said to Abraham, for example, in Genesis 12, verse 2, he said, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse and catch this. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, we learn early on in the Torah, the first five books, that God's covenant from the beginning was meant to be for the whole world, to include us. We hear the Exodus story. We hear the story of how the children of Israel find themselves in captivity, enslaved in Egypt, and they cry out to God. And we hear about a God who hears their cry. I have heard their cries on account of their taskmasters. And I've come to deliver them. And God calls Moses. You see, God remembered the covenant. God remembered, you are my people. I'll be your God. I hear you. I am here for you. And the law. Sometimes we get mixed up on the law. We, we hear it as a bunch of rules. And if we do these things, then maybe we can get a passing grade. The law was never intended for that. The law was actually a gift from God. It was, this is what it looks like to be the people of God. And the law of how we live our lives actually tells us a lot about who God is and what's important to God. What is the character of our God that God is wanting to see reflected in His people? What does it mean to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and our mind? What does it mean to love our neighbor? You see, the children of Israel were called out people of God. They were called to be different. And the word ecclesia, the word of the church for us, means a called out people. We're meant to be different. We're a covenant people. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. And so we hear the law, 613 commandments, 365, thou shalt not live and act this way, 248, but you shall live and act that way. It's all about what does it look like to be the people of God. It was never meant to be do enough of these to get a passing grade. It's you are the people of God. This is how we live as the people of God. So Jesus in the upper room met with the disciples and he said, Now we're celebrating Passover, a reminder of how God through Moses, had delivered the children of Israel out of slavery into a promised land. It's a message of salvation. It's a message of deliverance. And so they celebrated the Passover meal together. And then Jesus said, Now this is my body that's broken for you. When you do this, remember me. And this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, God is still a covenant God. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. This is the blood of the new covenant. And it's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness 
of sins. And when you do this, remember me, because the message of Jesus is also a message of deliverance and salvation. Being delivered from our slavery to sin and death. You see, one of the things that I think that Jesus is trying to do in this 40 days is show us that it's not like there was the God of the Old Testament and now there's the God of the New Testament. I, I heard that so often growing up. I would hear some people even say things like, well, that was the Old Testament. We're a New Testament people. And Luke is making it clear that Jesus made it very clear. Same God, same story. That the Torah... The law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, the Nevi'im, the prophets, and the Ketuvim, the Psalms, the Proverbs, the writings, all point to Christ and what God is continuing to do because there's not a God of the Old Testament that's different from the God of the New Testament. It's the one loving God who from the beginning wanted to be in a covenant relationship with you and me and a God that no matter how much we messed up, including from Genesis 3, after the ark lands, after the prophets have tried to proclaim, no matter how many times we mess up, God never gives up on us and that cross is a symbol that God never gave up on you. And that God is still a God of covenant today. As Fred Craddock, who was a great preaching professor and teacher and mentor of mine, as well as a biblical scholar, says, this has been God's plan all along. It's one salvation story. And now you are part of it. Forty days... Jesus wanted to make sure that the disciples and the church not only knows what happened, but why. For God still so loves the world. And He's never yet given up on you or on me. And that cross... It's a sign. And the law of Moses, the Torah, first five books of the Bible, point, same God who delivers us today. Will you pray with me? God, we're so grateful that you never give up on us, that you are relentless in pursuing a relationship with us. We were created to be in relationship with you, created in your image. And even though we messed it up, you never gave up. And throughout those beautiful Old Testament scriptures, you led us to the time when you would send your only begotten Son to be the Messiah, the Christ, our Savior, our Lord. You are one God, one salvation story, and we are now part of it. So God, we are so grateful for the joy of Easter and the resurrection, and the covenant. For you are indeed our God, and we are your people. In the name of the risen Christ, amen.